Hello and welcome to episode number 108 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tricotti, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, with day two of the East-West Shrine Bowl practices in the books. Two down, one to go, Tony. What's going on with you? Well, what's going on is uh, we had another beautiful day here in St. Pete. I mean, the weather was in the 80s, uh, so it was nice uh, between practices to get out a little bit. And I finally realized, you know, it used to be the Shrine game, but for some reason they changed it to the Shrine Bowl. Uh, no reason why, uh, no idea, but uh, that is interesting because for years, for generations, it was the Shrine game. Yeah, I mentioned that on the last show because I noticed that this year. I don't know if that was something that was changed last year or before this year, and I also didn't notice, but I did, I did notice that this year. I just don't know if it's the first year of it or not. Yeah, I don't know it makes a difference, but I think uh, don't fix what ain't broken, and uh, that name wasn't broken, but we'll see. All right, and we'll move on here, and again, we'll go position by position to just go over who stood out on the second day here in St. Pete. Obviously, at the quarterback position, we discussed on Monday's show, or should I say Tuesday's show, James Morgan, kind of one day one at the quarterback position. Kevin Davidson out of Princeton showed well as well. The West QBs were more of a mixed bag at the afternoon practice. Was it anything different today or just more of the same, Tony? But James Morgan threw the ball relatively well. Maybe took a slight step back from yesterday, but I thought Kevin Davidson was much, much better today. You know, obviously we talked about his arm strength. We spoke about it on this podcast. Uh, I wrote about it at Pro Football Network. And really, he used that arm strength today to make a lot of passes. He was powering the ball into the tight spots. He was getting the ball to receivers where most uh, quarterbacks like James Morgan would not be able to make the throw because they don't have the arm strength. I think at times he was relying on his arm strength a little bit too much and really trying to show it off and trying to use it to make passes. I also think he was getting frustrated because uh, the receivers here are just too slow for his deep balls. His deep passes are uh, are basically outlasting or, or flying over the uh, receivers' heads because they just don't have the speed to catch up to it. So I think that kind of frustrates him a little bit. I, I think with Davidson, it's a situation where he's got great physical skills. He's a guy who's only started for one year in college. There's a great backstory that I spoke with him about. He told me uh, in depth, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into uh, later on. And he's a developmental type of prospect. If you draft him, you're going to draft him in the seventh round. Then he's going to have to spend a year or two on the practice squad. And he's going to need a real good quarterback coach, but he's got the tools to uh, play at the next level. Mason Fine of North Texas also threw the ball a little bit better today. He's a solid short and intermediate passer. He can really spin it and get it to the uh, receiver. And he throws a nice tight spiral, which makes it easy for the pass catcher to snatch the ball out of the air. He just, he doesn't have a big deep arm. And the guy's small. I mean, he, you know, he looks like a midget back here. He looks like he should be playing Pop Warner football, uh, not in the Shrine game. But to his credit, he was much better today than he was yesterday. Now, when it comes to fine, I think he's listed at like 5'9", 190 pounds or something like that, which, I mean, that's small for a running back, let alone a quarterback. Uh, his rushing numbers in college as well were not particularly impressive. What do you think of his mobility? Is he a guy that is going to be able to do things outside the pocket, or is he just a 5'9 passer who's confined to between the tackles? Well, I don't think he's confined to the pocket, but at the same time, I don't think he's a run option uh, passer. He's, uh, he's not an ROP quarterback. Uh, he's a guy who plays best from the pocket, which is what you want in the NFL. But you could see at times he struggles seeing over the uh, the line of scrimmage. And you could see when there are guys in front of him that are six for five, six for four. I mean, he does struggle seeing the field at times, which is going to be a problem in the next level. He has got limited upside. I don't think he's going to be drafted. He'll be brought into a camp. And he's a guy like, you know, uh, Taylor Heineke from uh, Old Dominion, who actually played in the Shrine game 
uh, about four years ago. I remember uh, watching him and scouting him, scouting him here. Same sort of situation. You know, nobody gave him a chance. He's been, what, he was a third uh, quarterback. I believe he was with Carolina. I may, uh, may need to be uh, uh, corrected on that. But he, he spent a little time in the league as a number three uh, quarterback because of the smarts. And that that's probably uh, Fine's biggest value or greatest value. Yeah, Heineke was with Minnesota as well. I think he even started a game for the Vikings, uh, if not last year, the year before. Yeah, so uh, again, I mean, it, it can happen. Uh, but again, you're, you're not going to draft a guy like that. And you, you you have limitations. And he is a system sort of guy. He also turns out to be a situation where the coach really likes him. And, and he adds value from what he sees on the sidelines and what he brings as far as, far as you know, the knowledge of the game and the ability to read or diagnose what defenses are doing on the sideline with the clipboard. Now, moving on to the running back position here, James Robinson from Illinois State, probably the guy who looked the best Monday, as did Tavian Feaster, whose former Clemson teammates lost the national title to LSU on Monday night. Tony, were there any other backs that showed anything of note on Tuesday? James Robinson had another real good uh, day, especially running the ball, or I should say specifically running the ball. Didn't see too many receptions from him today. Uh, two other ru- running backs that really stood out, Adrian Killens Jr. from Central Florida. I mean, here is a guy who was not even graded, not even listed by scouts coming into the year, despite the fact that he was terrific for uh, Central Florida in 2018. Uh, he has got just some incredible quickness incredible footwork, the ability to cut back against the grain, the ability to change direction on a dime without losing momentum. He set up defenders and, and makes a miss. There was one play, I mean, he gets around the perimeter in a flash, uh, which is it's almost exciting. It's, it's very sudden. And he, he can basically, we know he's got the speed to take it the distance. I thought he did very well today, had several real nice runs. A guy who, if he's selected, is going to be late in draft, you're looking at him as a third down back, a situational player who is primarily going to be come on the field in third down. You've got to get him the ball in space and be used as a return specialist. I thought that uh, the Illinois running back, uh, Reggie Corbin, also had a solid day. He had a couple of good runs, did very well catching the ball in the backfield, made two or three receptions where he looked really good, not just catching the ball, but running after the catch. So I think Corbin, who was a little bit quiet yesterday, really stood out today. Now, when you talk about Killens, I know he's about 165 pounds. I mean, he barely weighs more than me. Certainly, he's a lot quicker and a lot faster. But in terms of third down backs, you want those guys to be able to protect the passer as well. Have you seen any reps from him as a pass protector? And if you have with a lot of other running backs as well, who's kind of standing out in that area? Yeah, you know, i be honest with you, I've not. You make a good point because they do blocking uh, drills with the running backs, with the fullbacks, even with the tight ends. Uh, be honest with you, since uh, it's kind of a one-man show with me down here, I've not watched them because while that is going on, it's usually uh, time for the uh, defensive backs and the wide receiver drills, so I'm more focused on that. You bring up a good point, but the situation is when you bring Killens on the field, it's not going to be to use him as a pass protector. You're either going to be throwing the ball to him or you're uh, going to be running a play like a toss sweep where you get the ball to him in space. So uh, I I don't think that – you know, while it is important that he blocks, like you said, he, you know, he's 170 pounds, sometimes the wind will blow him over. Uh, it's not a situation where a team is going to draft him based on his blocking. Now, looking at the wide receivers here, a couple of Monday standouts were Mason Kinsey from Barry, John Hammond from Florida, John Hightower out of Boise State flashed a little bit, showed off some speed that a lot of the receivers seem to lack in St. Pete this year. You've discussed it over at Pro Football Network. Ohio State's Benjamin Victor and Indiana's Nick Westbrook got a little bit of hype 
for their practice performances Tuesday. What did you think of those two and anybody else, Tony? I thought Westbrook was terrific. He made two deep receptions, a nice over-the-shoulder catch, which Kelly Bryant threw to him. It was about 40 yards down the field. He had a defender draped on him, booked the ball in. Uh, you know, he's a big-bodied receiver with limited quickness and speed, but he catches the ball very well. He's not going to get a combine invite. Uh, one of those guys that we've spoken about really has, has the ability to uh, control the game on a Saturday, but just doesn't project all that well. Uh, at the next level because of the lack of speed and quickness. Uh, but someone, you know, who may get consideration in the very late rounds, if he runs well, runs well means in the low four or fives. Uh, Victor was up and down. I, I mean, he makes some nice receptions, and then he'll drop a couple of passes or, or, or uh, basically run some poor routes. So I'm not, I wouldn't say he had a good uh, day. He had some flashes during the day, but there were also some uh, disappointing moments. Uh, I thought that Jonathan Johnson, the small, uh, sleek wide receiver from Missouri, as I said at Pro Football Network, he is basically the Mason Kinsey of the West. He's undersized, but he's incredibly quick. He runs scissor sharp routes. He gets separation. Uh, he's impossible to cover uh, coming out of routes. I mean, the defensive backs have no chance covering him out of, out of routes, and he catches the ball very well, catches the ball cleanly. Uh, you mentioned Hightower. I thought Hightower really had a good bounce back game, uh, a bounce back day, I should say. Or at least he kept the momentum going from the second half of practice on uh, Monday. Because as I said yesterday, the first half of practice, he dropped a, a tremendous deep pass that was put in his hands by Kelly Bryant. Should have never dropped it. He then picked up the pace. And I think he built on that today. He had a lot of good receptions in midair. He's a natural pass catcher. He runs solid routes. People I talked to said they like his speed. I really didn't see a lot of speed down here, uh, but he, he's, he's really catching the ball more consistently. Isaiah Wright of uh, Temple, uh, I thought had a very good day. He stood out after uh, what was a pretty quiet Monday. A bigger guy, not that fast, catches the ball very well, plays with good balance and body control. I think he is someone that could be selected in the late rounds. And, and then I wrote something uh, on Twitter, which I mentioned at Pro Football Network, I mentioned that when I watched Juwan Johnson of Oregon, who catches the ball very well, but really has limited speed and quickness, he's a guy that I think you're probably going to have to put 10 pounds on and then move him from a receiver position to a moved tight end position because he's got the body. He's got the, he looks like he can add more weight. He doesn't have the quickness or the speed to stay at the receiver position. Uh, Jesper Horstead was a tight end, was a wide receiver, a much celebrated wide receiver out of Princeton. He came here last year to the Shrine game, played receiver, had a great week of practices. But again, you could see there was he was lacking in the speed and the quickness. The Chicago Bears signed him as a free agent after the 2019 draft. They put weight on him. He's now the number three tight end on their depth chart. I think you're looking at much the same with Juwan Johnson of Oregon. Now that's a nice transition here into the actual tight end position where yesterday really wasn't a ton going on. Parker Houston was a guy who stood out for his blocking, as we mentioned on yesterday's show. We saw him pancake a rusher today uh, on a practice rep. Got some video of that, which was pretty impressive. So it looks like he's kind of building off of what he was able to do Monday. Was that the case with the rest of this kind of lackluster tight end group as well? Not really, but a lot of inconsistency. And for all of Parker Houston's terrific blocking, he just can't run. I mean, he's a guy that uh, if you're going to use him as a, a pass catcher, it's going to be no more than five to ten yards down the field. And even ten yards down the field, he struggled catching the ball. Well, it wasn't because of lack of effort. He just seemed to struggle with the body control. But he is an outstanding 
blocker and you're looking at him as a third tight end, uh, who'll be brought on the field on short yardage passing downs. Uh, as far as the other tight ends are concerned, Ben Ellison of uh, North Dakota State made a couple of nice catches. Dominic Wood Anderson of Tennessee was again up and down. And, and I kept a close watch of Mitchell Wilcox today because you mentioned him uh, during our Monday podcast or our podcast on Monday's practice. And he was very inconsistent. I mean, there were times where he laid out and made some incredible grabs, but there were other times where he dropped passes or balls were slipping through his hands, which he should have come away with. Uh, so I don't think that Mitchell Wilcox really helped himself here at the Shrine game. Which is a shame because, I mean, obviously he was a guy you were lower on than many heading into the season, but with the rest of the tight ends here at the Shrine game not providing that much intrigue, it was an opportunity for Mitchell Wilcox at the very least to show that he was head over heels above them as a kind of late-day draftable guy. Do you still think he's the kind of guy that can be taken in round six or round seven, or is he looking more like a priority free agent at this point? Yeah, unless he runs incredibly well and, you know, he looks like a guy who's going to run in the 4-H, I don't think he gets selected. And it's a shame because he's known as a pass catcher. I mean, he's known as a pass catcher first and foremost who can block on occasion. And he really has not stood out as a pass catcher here during the first two days of Shrine practice. Now, along the offensive line, Monday's practice was really won by a lot of guys on the interior. Calvin Throckmorton, Deshaun Dixon, Kevin Dotson from Louisiana, Cole Cabral. You tweeted Tuesday that Throckmorton, in addition to playing guard, and obviously he was a tackle at Oregon, he also played some center during Tuesday's practice. Obviously, he looks like a big winner so far, at the very least in terms of his versatility. What else is there to report in the trenches, Tony? And he played center well. Uh, you know, he I didn't see too many – I didn't see any snaps, as a matter of fact, hit the turf. So, uh, I mean, you can tell he's been practicing at the position, and he looked uh, – uh, if he didn't look relatively natural at it, he, he did a good job. Uh, Kyle Murphy of Rhode Island had a really terrific day uh, to start off practices for the East uh, this morning. Uh, he's a smaller guy. He's 290 pounds at best, but he blocks with tremendous fundamentals. He blocks with that exceptional knee bend. He stays square. He keeps his head on a swivel. There were a couple of times where he was able to pick up blitzes. There were several times where he was able to get out of the second level and take linebackers out with his agility and ability to uh, redirect. He's going to the combine. I think you know people talked a little bit about him yesterday. I wanted to watch him today to make sure you know it, it wasn't a flash in a pan. Absolutely not. I think you could make the case that uh, Kyle Murphy of Rhode Island potentially was was the best blocker on the East. Uh, and they've got some good, pretty good players over there. I thought John Runyon of Michigan uh, had a good day. He played tackle for Michigan. They're playing him at guard here. Uh, not the most athletic guy, uh, not, not the uh, most agile guy, but a smart, tough position blocker uh, at guard. He had a solid day. Jared Hilbers of Washington, the uh, offensive tackle. Again, he a lot like Runyon in the sense that not the greatest athlete, but tough, strong, and fundamentally sound. I thought he also stood out. And I thought some of the guys that I mentioned yesterday, Kevin Dotson of Louisiana, Deshaun Dixon of San Diego State, they also performed well. Now moving to the defensive side of the ball here, Baylor's Bravion Roy and Nebraska's Khalil Davis got most of the attention Monday. John Penasini from Utah got some as well. You actually reported that Roy could end up in Mobile for the Senior Bowl next week. Did his strong performance from Monday's practice carry over to Tuesday? And was there anybody else who made any sort of noise? The answer is absolutely yes with Roy. I mean, he was unstoppable. He was blowing through double-team blocks when they did drills, when they were double-teaming the defensive linemen. 
Uh, he shows great power. He plays with tremendous leverage. He's not just a big body, immobile guy. He's got excellent short area quickness. He's not a, a, a pure pass rusher, but you know you can use him in that aspect, and he's not going to be a liability. He's not going to embarrass himself. I think you know for the second day in a row, Roy really established himself as the best defensive lineman on the West, if not the best defensive lineman in attendance here. Uh, and, and I think where we stand right now, he's probably going to be the earliest draft pick to come out of the Shrine Game. If it wasn't for Roy, everyone would be talking about Khalil Davis because Khalil Davis has really had two solid days of practice. One thing about the West that's interesting to watch is they line up in both three- and four-man fronts. And it's a good thing because you can see what players can do and what players can't do. So when they line up in three-man fronts and Khalil Davis is used at end, really on the edge, he struggles. When they line up in four-man fronts or even when they line up in three-man fronts and they put him inside of the stand-up outside linebacker, he flourishes. So you know he's going to be a defensive tackle in one form or another. Really can't play defensive end. I thought uh, North Dakota State uh, defensive end edge rusher Derek Tuska had a good game, a good day of practice. And Ladarius Hamilton uh, of North Texas also had a, a real good day of practice. Most of the top uh, defensive linemen or the most dominant defensive linemen are definitely on the uh, West squad. So that's something to keep an eye on during the game. That was a nondescript Monday for the linebackers. I remember you were particularly disappointed with the Miami duo, Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney, especially Pinckney, because while they both struggled in coverage, Pinckney is the kind of guy that is expected to be able to cover a little bit more than Quarterman is. Did these two bounce back at all on Tuesday? And was there anybody else that really showed out from the linebacking core? Pinckney bounced back. And I learned something, uh, which I reported on Pro Football Network uh, earlier in the day, but I'll get a little bit more in depth here. Pinckney has a hip issue. And what he needs is he needs an adjustment of the hip issue because he's been playing in pain for most of the season and he's playing in pain here. And, and I'm told it's not a surgical situation. It's more like a chiropractic situation where they're going to snap it back into place. And once they, they snap it back into place, they feel he'll be pain-free and we'll, we'll basically be back to 100%. Then we'll run very well uh, at the combine as well as pro day workouts. So it's been a situation with injury for Pinkney, as I learned earlier uh, today. Michael Walker, a guy from Fresno State that I know we've talked about on this podcast before, had a terrific day. He really stood out to me at linebacker. He's on the West squad, and they used him at two different positions. They used him as an outside linebacker in the 3-4, and they used him as a middle linebacker in the 4-3. Now, if you follow Walker's career at all, as a junior, he was a sensational outside linebacker in Fresno State's 3-4. He came into the season being graded as early as a fourth-round pick by scouts. And Fresno State moved him to middle linebacker this year. And while he wasn't awful, he wasn't as productive as he was in 2018. I think what impressed me with Walker is, number one, he's got excellent length. Number two, he's very athletic. Three, he's also smart. He's instinctive. You've seen that on film the past two, uh, two years. And he didn't just run around the field aimlessly. He would stay with his assignments. And if his assignment was to cover the tight end, as he was a couple of times when I watched him when he was playing 3-4 outside linebacker, and the tight end was staying on the line, Michael Walker would stay with him. So I think overall it was a real good day by, by Michael Walker, uh, the linebacker out of Fresno State. Uh, and that was, you know, the linebackers have been pretty much quiet uh, today. I thought Tizino Cajava uh, of San Diego State, very good run defender, does struggle in uh, coverage. Uh, Casey Tuhill of Stanford had his moments. 
by far and away, I, I thought that Michael Walker was the best linebacker in attendance. And among the defensive backs down in St. Pete, there were a pair of SMU safeties, Rodney Clemens and Patrick Nelson, who were among the winners on day one. Also, Alabama safety Shaheem Carter, who is kind of the rare Crimson Tide trying game prospect. You don't see a lot of guys from schools like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. You don't see a lot of them at the Shrine game, but Carter is there, and he played well. Did that trio carry their success into Tuesday's practice, or did anybody else step up? Uh, Clemens played well again today. Uh, had another a couple of few plays in coverage. Uh, he's a tough guy. He's relatively athletic. Want to see what he runs at the combine. Somebody mentioned to me, you know, with Clemens, would you move him to a, a linebacker position because he's got ex- he's got real good size? And I was like, I, I think you're cheating Clemens and you're cheating the team because even with that good size, he's very good when the ball's in the air. Uh, so leave him at safety until uh, it, it proves that he can't handle it. Uh, otherwise, I, I thought the corners were pretty much quiet. Jordan Glasgow of Michigan, the strong safety, uh, he had a very good day made some pulverizing hits where uh, basically laid out uh, some of the ball handlers. Uh, David Dowell of Michigan State, similar sort of situation. I like Dowell for three years. I think he's a bit underrated. I think he has some limitations, but if you use him sort of as his own safety or or as a strong safety type, I think you're going to get a lot out of him. I think the big story with the uh, defensive backs is how bad some of these guys have looked at times. Uh, Luke Barco, San Diego State, a guy who – not rated by scouts coming into the year, had an incredible season with some huge stats. He just looked very unnatural. He's slow in transition, can't flip his hips, he's constantly playing catch up. You know, the receiver gets four or five yards behind him, and then he's got to try and sprint to the receiver and make a play on the ball. And the only reason he's able to do that here, because of some of the really poor quarterback play on, on the West, which is the team that he's on, uh, he struggled. The West Virginia cornerback, co- Keith Washington, has also struggled. Chris Williamson of uh, Minnesota, a guy who I like, uh, he really took a step back today after having a solid Monday. So I, I think after Clemens, the big story with the uh, defensive backs, especially the cornerbacks, is how poorly some of them have looked. And before we wrap up here, Tony, is there any news, any buzz that's coming out of St. Pete, whether it's draft-related, whether it's free agency-related, whatever it is, what are you hearing? What's the latest? Well, we'll start with Malcolm Perry, uh, the former Navy quarterback who's playing receiver here and playing it well. I'm told that uh, Malcolm Perry's going to try and play football in 2020 in the NFL. He's going to look to try or put in a request to defer his military service, the commitment that he made when he entered the Navy until after his NFL career is over. And as we've spoken about in the past, the Department of Defense has kind of relaxed those rules to give uh, guys, and I assume girls, who go through the academies, playing sports, and want to continue to do so professionally, has kind of relaxed those rules to let them defer their military service. I'm told Malcolm Perry's going to try and do that because he wants to play in the NFL this season. Speaking of this season, free agency starts real soon, and Chris and I are down at the Senior Bowl. That's when the unofficial start of free agency begins. They're already talking about it here, and the biggest name of free agency that people believe or I should say one of the biggest names of free agency once uh, it opens up will be Byron Jones, the cornerback of Dallas. I'm told Dallas will not be able to sign him because they've got so many other priorities ahead of them. Byron Jones is expected to make a huge amount of money. Cornerback coming off a Pro Bowl year. Uh, there are some teams that have been mentioned that will approach him. It's just a matter of will they be able to meet his price. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And that's it for the 108th episode of The Draft Analyst. 
presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Unfortunately for Tony, he'll be flying back to New York after Wednesday's practice, so we won't have a show for you until Thursday or Friday to wrap everything up and really get deep into winners, losers, and more or less everything Tony saw this week in St. Pete. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night.